Welcome to the 22nd episode of the Opvac Cast. I'm Steve Cuff, and joining me today, Jake Trapelia. Good evening, Trapila. Trapila. I, I added like an extra something in there. I, a and, syllable yeah. or two. That, yeah. A little, a little, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I wanted to give you some like, you know, south of the border flair. Fair enough. How's it going? I'm just Steve? trying to spice it up, man. It's going, it's going okay. It's going okay. Yeah. Uh, I've, good I've had better days. Yeah. I, um. I forgot to pay uh, some tickets, so I got I got that bill in the mail today. That wasn't good. Oh, <laughs> but you know that's that sounds like the opening to a horrible stand up routine. And speaking you... of stand up, Steve Coleman's written about it. Steve Coleman's here. Oh, <laughs> that was the hey worst guys. segue hey, too. Five guys, <laughs> how's it going, Steve? I'm I'm all right. I uh, forgot to pay my toll in Chicago from two weeks ago. So cool. thanks so, for reminding uh, me. Yeah, shout out to that forty dollar bill you're going to get in the mail. Uh, Myros, how you doing today? I'm doing all right, Steve. I, I've got an important question for you. Yeah. Uh, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm not drinking shit. I um, I had a glass of water with some ice in it, and I drank all the water, and then the ice melted. That's what I got. Got nothing. Well, that's tasty. You know, I'm trying to live a, a pure lifestyle here. Not all of us can be big drunks like yourself. That's a shame. I'm drinking a delicious uh, Kalamazoo stout. I know. I just heard you set it down on the table. Uh, that, that is a good beer. That is a good beer. Uh, and, of course, we have – well, actually, not of course, because this is first time on the show. Very special guest all the way from Louisville, Kentucky, if I'm not mistaken, Jack Eason. Welcome. Yes, I am here. Uh, I'm not originally from Louisville. I don't really have the southern accent going on, but I don't live here now. For now, I'm here. Where are you originally from? I'm from Ireland originally. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah, it's weird how I ended up here. Yeah, I don't, why? Get, I don't care about horses, but I live here, so. <laughs> Do you have to care about horses to live in Louisville? It seems it seems to help. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know. Horses are drinking. I do the drinking, so I guess, yeah, actually, fuck yeah, horses. As long as you like bourbon, that's all that matters. That sounds yeah. like an awful lot of pressure. <laughs> 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 but don't make don't mix drinking and horses. That's that's just you know. No, they have an, an internet meme. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, or you know, and somebody might make a documentary about you one day too. Go check out Zoo. That's what I'm putting over this week. <laughs> um, love it. Great family film. Get the whole family together on Thanksgiving. Pop in Zoo. Was there really any drinking in Zoo? No, but I mean. You'd think you got to have a couple of beers before, you know, you let a horse bang you, right? Maybe. Maybe there wasn't any drinking before. (laughs) To make myself feel better, I'm going to pretend there was drinking in Zoo. Yeah. But uh, I I think we're not going to ask them what they were drinking. Uh, Well, I I know Jake's just drinking water, right, Jake? (laughs) That is correct, sir. See, I'm, I'm a fucking psychic. Uh, Steve Coleman is probably no, drinking. You don't want to know what I'm drinking. <laughs> what are you? What are you drinking? Like fucking ecto cooler? I'm just gonna say it's definitely not Diet Mountain Dew with a shot of Dr. McGillicuddy's apple pie. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> are you are you homeless? Are you 19? What? Are... <laughs> Close to both. Look, call me, little call me. Jack, you drinking anything tonight? Uh, I, I'm drinking a, a Louisville beer, uh, Goodwood Saison Aged Red 
Saison aged ale in a red wine barrel thing. I don't know. It's pretty good. He wins. Uh, he wins. Yeah, Jack it's very is, fancy. It's much fancier than whatever Coleman's drinking. Yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty cool. Too, Mountain though. Dew apple pie. That's that's great. It's, it's very good. It's uh, uh, Kim Davis's co-worker's favorite drink. Oh Jesus! <laughs> I thought it was Kool Aid. <laughs> so <laughs> I want to I want to talk about something before we jump into our topic here. Uh, I a few weeks ago. We actually, when, when we were putting together the pumpkin beer article, which we finally finished and put up tonight, it's up right now. I can actually say that. Thank God. Uh, when we were drinking all that pumpkin beer, we actually, we watched a movie and we watched Fateful Findings, a Neil Breen film. And uh, Myros, I think you put it over on the last episode too. Um, yeah, we started Breen Watch that episode. Oh yeah. So Breen Watch started and we were curious because Myros had heard from, I think like another podcast which is probably more popular than ours that one of the guys on the podcast tried to order the dvd of faithful findings from neil breen because that's the only place you can get it of course and it never showed up so i ordered it um i guess it was close to a month now i guess three weeks maybe it's been a while it's been a while but it finally showed up today i was very excited i got a a piece of mail with neil breen's name on it like what what else can you ask for in the world that son of a bitch charged me 24.95 for a fucking burned dvd in a slim plastic case no cover and it's got <laughs> you, know, you know like when you're 12 and you've got like roxio easy cd creator or something and then you like print off a label sticker thing and you slap it on top of a cd it's got that on it i used to love doing that it's oh my god! It's it's horseshit. So fuck you, Neil Breen. Not even like a personal note. No, nothing, nothing well, at all. To, well, to be fair, did you have you seen the film, Steve? I <laughs> I, ha- I have seen the film. However, based on his online store, I was expecting at least like a shitty DVD. To put this in perspective, when I got my my copy of Get Even, that he, he only charged me for the shipping. So. You know, that only cost me like five bucks. And sure, it's on a burn CD, but, you know, I'll get over it. But this is just twenty four ninety five for fucking what, Neil Breen? What a dick. Rolling in your money. I've seen your shitty 80s Lamborghini and all your damn movies. I know you got some cash, or at least you did in 1983. Uh, actually, I'm pretty sure that's not right. If oh, you it's watched a Ferrari, uh, his... not, not a Lamborghini. My mistake. If you watched his other uh, movie, I don't remember what the hell it's called. Uh, the one, But it's... Uh... He, it's like half the film is stock footage, but the other half, it's, it becomes quite clear that he, uh, got the, uh, Lamborghini or Ferrari or whatever the hell it is. And, uh, also the Rolls Royce from like a, a rental lot, like an hourly rental thing. Cause it, oh, like, geez. there's like a scene that's just filmed in the parking lot with those same two fucking cars or anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Uh, Jack, have you ever seen Fateful Findings before? I have not. No, I don't even know what this guy is. Oh so. my god! All right, I'm missing out. Apparently, I'm do, out of this loop. Do you do you have Amazon Prime or the Amazon streaming service or anything like that? I, I do. Ah, okay. Here's your homework for this week, Jack. Oh man. Okay. Uh, let's, let's roll. You need to get yourself a six pack or maybe more. You might need a twelve pack. Uh, and and just look it up. Fateful findings. It's gonna change your life. Sure. Why not? <laughs> I know I'm not the same since I saw it, but we're not talking about Neil Breen today. What the hell are we talking about, Myros? Uh, well, it's October, and uh, Wes Craven died a couple months ago, right? <laughs> well, it's October! 
Pumpkin also, carving chips are lining. Yeah. So for that reason, we're going to continue to talk about Wes Craven. And today, okay. to avoid being too uh, negative, we're going to talk yeah. about uh, a, a genre he's uh, inarguably impact tremendously: mm. uh, meta horror. Yeah, I think I think that's a great idea because you know it's been a couple of months and there's been a lot of discussion uh, all over the internet and beyond, and we don't want to flog the dead Craven here. So uh, yeah, meta horror. <laughs> Sorry, I I had to. The flog the dead craven just came into my head, and I had to say it. Nice, <laughs> thank you. I'm gonna go pat myself on the back for a while. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> Wes Craven is kind of an interesting guy because there's two things that I think are very noteworthy in his career, and one is his ability to get a really good idea, execute it, and then he decides at some point that he doesn't like what he did. And then he goes back and kind of revisits it in a new way. Uh, and, and the other thing that he's really good at doing is sort of picking apart the horror genre in his movies. And uh, we definitely see that in scream, but I think it, it starts with new nightmare, right? Is, is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all we're going to say about new nightmare. <laughs> Uh, New Nightmare is is weird. I, I think on our Nightmare on Elm Street podcast, Myros, you actually uh, you compared it to Lady in the Water, and I almost I, I tried to reach through my computer screen and strangle the life out of you. But after watching it again, I, I I can kind of see it because Wes Craven really likes himself in that movie quite a bit. It's also sort of weird too because on one hand, it, the, the movie seems to be saying like. You know, it's silly when people accuse, you know, horror movies, Freddy Krueger, of causing violence. You know, there's that whole thing with the uh, the nurse in New Nightmare where she's constantly like, oh, you've probably shown her your movies, those Freddy Krueger movies, and that's why your son's going crazy. Um, and, you know, she's wrong. That's not why the kid was going crazy. But then when you look at the plot of the movie, actually the fact that Wes Craven made the Nightmare on Elm Street movies is the whole reason why this evil Freddy Krueger ghost thing is back. So, no, <laughs> is is no. it not? Because they, they explained that. They, they, I think Wes Craven's super diplomatic about it in New Nightmare because he explains it specifically because they stopped making Nightmare ah, yes. on Elm Street films. That's why he comes back. <laughs> and yeah, and he's really diplomatic about it too because he 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 mentions that if the story because you have to trap e- ancient evils apparently in stories that's like part of his goofy thing that he delivers. I see the M Night Shyamalan thing now, too, <laughs> now that you mention it. Um, but at least Wes Craven didn't like change his name to Knight, so gets bonus points there. That's but true. He, yeah, he he talks about how you know you can trap evil creatures in stories, and you you know if the story gets censored or if it gets watered down, then the evil can escape again. Which you think is taking a dig at the later Nightmare films, but no. Then he says it's because they just stopped making them. It's like he doesn't acknowledge <laughs> that like, Nightmare four, five, and six were maybe kind of shit. It's like no, no, they, they just stopped making them. Yeah, that's I, the problem. I think the movie would have been better if the entire plot was, hey, remember how Nightmare on Elm Street 5 was like the shittiest fucking movie of all time? That's why Freddy Krueger has entered it into the real world. <laughs> he actually came to kill the writer of Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Well, I think the late, like the last three nightmares before a new nightmare, I think they were just special effects demo reels. I think people just made mm. them and shipped them off looking for other work. That's why I got the feeling. It's like different studios doing different sequences, and then they just made films to, I don't know, meet production costs or something. Oh, yeah. I, don't know. yeah, yeah, I think they're, kind, they're kind of fun, but, you know, 
they don't really hang together very well. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. six is probably the best example of that, just because there's that whole segment at the end that, in modern context, doesn't make any sense. So there's this big like three D effect thing. And the the characters in the movie actually put on 3D gla- glasses to, like, indicate to the audience members that's when they were supposed to put on their 3D glasses inside the theater. But when you watch it on Blu-ray or DVD or whatever, that's not a thing. So you just see, like, these people put on 3D glasses and they look like assholes. And then all this shit is just, like, flying at the screen and it, it looks horrible. And it's, it's pretty amazing, I gotta say. Actually, a uh, funny story about that. I had a friend – I mentioned on the um – the Nightmare on Elm Street podcast we did that there was a marathon of all the films here in L.A. last year. And mm-hmm. I had a friend who actually stayed and watched all seven films. And he said when they got to Freddy's Dead, the final nightmare, uh, the last reel of the 35 millimeter print was actually in 3D. But they didn't have glasses to give everyone. So everyone <laughs> watched the last 20 minutes of the film in an out of focus print. Oh, God, that would be horrible. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Again, that's it was so about beautiful. you know six AM when they were watching that though, so Yeah, you know. so that's a good time to, to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I guess well b- before we jump into Craven stuff too, I think Craven definitely popularized this idea of like meta horror, postmodern horror, but are there any examples that you guys can think of in horror specifically um that may have sort of touched on these same things before Craven got around to popularizing it? Well, I can think of a few. I mean, there. I mean, stuff like I guess Videodrome, and you know, I mean, that was about TV and movies. To some, I mean, it was about the medium that it was being delivered in. So, mm. I mean, that's one that st- strikes to mind. Or uh, like Lamberto Bava's Demons, which is a really super fun zombie movie, but it's set in a cinema. So, the, like the the movie is about zombies, and then the the zombies escape from the film, kind of. Uh, it's not really coherent, but that's my point. <laughs> so uh, that's a good I, way of putting that. <laughs> I say that as like a total recommendation. If you've never seen Demons, you have to see it. It is the most fun film you will ever see. It is full '80s heavy metal soundtrack, like <laughs> uh, people in cinemas being killed by zombies. It is probably the best thing ever. To be honest. <laughs> I, I think I actually like Demons too better. I don't know. But do you, with, the new, with the new romance soundtrack and all that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to I'm going to give a personal family shout out here. Um you may or may not know, my late uncle was actually Dan O'Bannon and in 1985 he released a film called The Return of the Living Dead, which actually references The Night of the Living Dead as hey, you remember that film with all the zombies? Well, you know, here the zombies are real and then they're talking about how do we kill the zombies and like, well, aren't you supposed to hit him in the head and they try to cut the head off of a zombie and it's still alive and they're saying things like, oh, you mean the movie lied to us? It, it's I, I'd say that's an early proponent of meta horror. Oh, for yeah, sure. sure. Definitely, definitely. Sure. Also, can we pump the brakes here for a second? Did you just say you're related to Dan O'Bannon? Uh, yeah, he what was my <laughs> great late uncle. What? Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, Oh yeah, I don't think I've ever told you guys. No, that's that's a that's a fun fact. When you start a new job and they're like, "Say something interesting about you," then you can say like, that. Yeah, the movie Alien. My uncle wrote that. What's up? Yeah, yeah. You what can the say fuck? That. He's one of the very, <laughs> really, the very best open. writers of all time, in my opinion. You don't open with Dark Star. My uncle. Wrote Dark Star. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how many people have, still have heard of Dark Star. But, that's uh, their fault. Don't yeah, cater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, hundred percent, hundred percent. Jesus, Jake, that's that is impressive. Oh yeah, thanks, guys. That's how we're going to introduce you from now on. 
That's, yeah, that sounds Jake's good to me. joining us. By the way, his uncle wrote Alien. That's perfect. Yeah, I have an original copy of the script in my room. Are you uh, Jesus? Features original artwork <laughs> and signed by him. It's pretty neat. Wow. Yeah. That is that is crazy. That's wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're blowing my mind today, Jake. How I, I don't know how you didn't bring this up before. It's like my <laughs> uncle works at the Home Depot. <laughs> yeah. I get it. Well, I don't know. One of my uncles is a janitor. Um Hey, those are res- play champion chicken. Those are respectable jobs. I, I I got another one. He's a financial advisor, and he looks like Shooter McGavin. No joke. So you know <laughs> that's a thing. All right, let's let's talk a little bit about Scream. Um, yeah. As a as, yeah, as a series, I, I I watched all of the movies back to back to back last year. I did not go and do that again this year because uh, if, if I never watch Scream 3 again, I, I think that'll make me a happier person who lives a longer life. That was the right thing to do. <laughs> but uh, and I, I really I really like Scream 1 and 4 is pretty cool and 2 is kind of interesting. And I guess I'm just thinking like when we look at these movies – and sort of the the big broader cultural impact that they've had, like is is the Scream series is it as important, if not more important, than the other big tentpole Wes Craven things like Nightmare or uh, even like Last House on the Left? I'd say at least the first Scream is. I don't know about the entire series, but I would give at least the first Scream its due. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I think that I would argue that that's it's his last great statement. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And I also think that whoever the writer is on the Scream movies... Uh, Kevin Williamson. That's the guy. I've never met him, but everything I've ever read about the man makes me think he's a colossal dick. Uh, one of the things that he did, and, and this is just one of the reasons why Scream 3 is awful and why Scream 2 might have a few head-scratching issues, he had this problem where people kept leaking his script, I guess, for Scream 2 and Scream 3. So Scream 2, he had to change the ending once, like he rewrote it. And Scream 3, they rewrote the ending like two or three times because they kept leaking the script. So by the time you get to the end of the screen, of Scream 3 and they have the big reveal, it's just like, what what the fuck? How does this have anything to do with anything? Uh, and that kind of speaks to the franchise as a whole where... You could tell it ran out of steam. Like there was all the, it was smart and was witty in the first one, but then it, it just kind of like almost wears out its welcome with its aesthetic and its style. Yeah, I I watched all four screams um, over the course of three days, and I I just plain don't like the series. I think you know if you're gonna do meta horror, this is the way you can do it wrong. Um, it's just the, it has this sort of very smug us versus them mentality with horror movies. And it's just very, so pat on the back, self-referential and just so insufferable that it's, you know, there's no, I don't find any of it like witty or charming or smart at all. It's just very, you know, kind of kicked off a a series of awful horror films. If you ask me, you and me, Jake against the world, (laughs) (laughs) I feel so many people seem to like, I don't like scream was huge. And I've just, I never liked it. Even the first one, the first one's okay. I mean, it's not a bad film, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's like, it's, it's a movie that talks about how slasher movies are stupid. And then it does everything that's in slasher movies. So I'm like, 
watching a movie thinking, okay, so it's stupid and we're going to sit through it again. Great. Thanks for, thanks for telling me beforehand. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. And, repeatedly. <laughs> and then the second film comes along and there's a scene in a film class where the film students are discussing sequels that are superior than the originals. <laughs> and then uh-huh. in the third film, um, Jamie Kennedy's character died in the second film, but his sister brings in a videotape and she uh, that he somehow recorded before he died in Scream Two, and he said, "Guys, what we're may- maybe dealing here with is a is a trilogy. We have a trilogy on our hands." And <laughs> he's like, "With that, the rules just go out the window." But it it's just. Yeah, so- it's, it's, I wonder if that's just- how they justify how stupid the plot is in Scream Three. <laughs> well, it's one of the things that I mean for me, the Scream trilogy is it's. Like it doesn't bring anything new to the table. It's it's smart. It's like oh, you know, meta textual. We're talking about what we're doing, but it doesn't comment on what it's doing in any kind of. It doesn't bring anything new. It doesn't make you think about the movie or the genre or the suppositions of the genre in any kind of a new way. It's just it's just basically acknowledging what every person who ever watched a slasher movie before already knew, and then just kind of repeating it on the screen. And you know, it's like. Uh, it just doesn't work for me. It's it's one of those things that just kind of irks me because then, like Jake says, it's this us versus them kind of like we're a little bit smarter than your average slasher movie. And it's like, are you really? Mm-hmm. I don't know. So wait, I, I thought I thought we picked this uh, topic so we could be more positive about uh, Wes Craven's career. Uh, <laughs> no, I, oh, I missed that memo. No, just I'm, throwing I'm, more dirt onto the coffin. See here, I I thought I would be the minority in in sharing the exact same opinion. I I've never been like a huge fan of these movies. Like the the movie, they they often just kind of feel like a long episode of Scooby Doo with some intestines. <laughs> <or stuff. laughs> yeah, okay, that's did one fair. of the cast did he played Scooby Doo? Uh, oh yeah, Matthew, Matthew Lillard yeah. is Shaggy. <laughs> so there you go, tie-in right there. Oh, I thought I, I thought I was brought on board because I'm one of the the few proponents of like New Nightmare is pretty good. I thought that was my stance. I made a sign. I thought that was that was what I was supposed to do. And then scream, <laughs> boo, scream, yay, New Nightmare ish. Although I watched it recently and it, it's a bit hammy, but uh, it's whatever. A, it's a little, yeah, it is a little hammy. I think New Nightmare runs into a problem, and this drives Myros nuts all the time, uh, but it's a problem in a lot of movies, and that is, of course, kids can't fucking act. Kids are terrible. Oh, God, scary children are the worst. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's terrible. The worst part part of New Nightmare is when the little kid is just trying to talk in the Freddy Krueger voice, and it's just like, (laughs) I'm going to stab you. I'm five. Oh, fuck off, kid. It was flashbacks, well, I guess flash-forwards to the American Ring remake, and it's like, I drew a scary picture. It's like, good, I hate you. I, you, you guys know. are being way too hard on Miko Hughes, by the way. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. He did say that. That was That's his best line. He was great in that movie. I just don't, I can't take him as scary. He was because... also in a Pet Cemetery. Yeah, yeah, he was. Another real great film there. <laughs> don't go down the road, dog. He kept in your mouth, Somebody had faith in him. <laughs> <laughs> oh god i he forgot a super that he 90s did. haircut so i mean he had that going for him he did uh me and him had the same haircut that year i think the year that new nightmare yeah, but, was look, but look who got the roles mm-hmm. that's true where was i where was i if only i lived in los angeles that could have been me your parents are just they just didn't do the job yeah why didn't they shove me into a life of showbiz like yeah because they're smart yeah <laughs> <laughs> well you know and i, I showed them now i'm 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 on a podcast that has dozens of listeners, maybe maybe a dozen listeners. So this is big time, boys. 
including the five of us here. Yeah, five of us, and then at least six or seven more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so to get back to being a little positive about the sure, show series, yeah, sure. I, <laughs> I, I, I may not be a fan of the product, but I, I definitely understand what it meant to. I mean, there's several movements that have followed it. I, I don't think you, you'd have guys like Ty West or Joe Swanberg or stuff like that if it weren't for Scream. Yeah, and I, you wouldn't have the scary movie series if it weren't for Scream either. And that is true. No. No. Staying oh, positive, Jake. Staying positive. Oh, sorry. <laughs> right. Hey, Marlon Wayne says to eat. Well, <laughs> he does. He does. Um, Ew. <laughs> Go ahead. There, okay, so <laughs> there, there are some things about Scream that I, I, I really do appreciate. Well, first of all, it, is I'm not in love with the Scream movies, but I think for what they are, you know, in terms of like big studio 90s slashers, it's about as good as it gets. You know, I, I don't think anybody's going to take I Know What You Did Last Summer over Scream. Uh, although I think that was also written by Kevin Williamson, which is hilarious. Um, yep. Or, you yeah, know, they... all the other shitty Scream ripoff movies. I think there's one called, like, Valentine with David Borealis in it or something. I don't know. Yeah, where did Urban Legend fit in there? That's one of the only ones I can remember. <laughs> yeah, Urban Legend. Robert Englund is, like, a college professor. <laughs> Least believable yes. role of all time. <laughs> uh, yeah, so in in the grand scheme of... Bad 90s horror and 90s slashers, I think you know, Scream is the, the king of the mountain, even though that mountain is kind of small and made of dog feces. Uh, Would you say Scream is the steely Dan of 90s horror films? <laughs> no, because... Uh, no. <laughs> Why, why would you say Steely Dan of 90s horror? Well, just that it sort of um, brought about this new type of horror film, at least to mainstream audiences, and everything sort of copycatted it for a few years, and everything sucked afterwards. Okay, well, you know what? That's fair. That's fair. I will give you that. I guess, in a way, Scream is a lot like Steely Dan. And all the old, uh, you know, studio musicians that were in the film, too. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, another thing I really like about Scream is even even when I, I, I don't love what it's doing, um, this is an instance where Wes Craven at least knows how to pace a horror movie. If you could say one thing about Scream, at least it, it keeps the tempo up. It keeps moving, uh, which is a problem I think that slashers in the past certainly have. Uh, they have a tendency to drag. And I, I think a lot of the movies that, that followed in Scream's footsteps also had issues with that. So, you know what? They're brisk. They can be fun. Uh, but I do think Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson think they're a little bit smarter than they are or were in his case. Uh, and the other good thing, one more good thing, I would take any of the Scream movies over the Scream TV series. So there's that. It says I've seen it. But it, I, another thing. <laughs> Don't do that to yourself. Say. That sort of uh, artifice of dialogue, like it's almost like Diablo Cody level, like kids sure as shit don't talk this way at all. <laughs> it's a bunch of hardcore horror nerds in this high school hanging out with the the jacks. That's right, the yeah. old kegger. Yeah, so I don't even know of like. I mean, I watched a lot of slasher movies. I don't know anyone else. People like people watch the mainstream horror movies that showed up in the cinemas. I don't know anyone else who, like, watched I Spit on Your Grave, you know, and honestly, yeah. I don't know why anyone would. Um, 
So, like, that that's referenced in there, and probably, like, that's the only thing I remember. I watched the whole Scream franchise about a year ago, and I don't really remember much about it. But one thing I do remember is there's, there's a joke, I, Rose McGowan, I think it's something like, I spit on your garage while she's trying to find the guy they're in the garage it's hilarious <laughs> um like literally that was the only part of the whole movie that was like oh, i kind of laughed at that and i feel bad now I, you know. <laughs> so, but and then rose mcgowan dies in the garage door or something I, I think that was scream or scream 2 i don't remember which one it yeah, was. One of the uh, that's that's the, the first scream the first one okay good i'm i'm not making stuff up totally but yeah it's, it's weird it's like these kids you know, they're yeah. They don't watch. They're watching these movies that most kids aren't going to watch. They've probably seen the "I Spit in Your Grave" remake, of which I've now found out there's three of those, which is terrifying. What? Do they do they all uh, star the the Gilmore Girls girl? I, Alexis I've Liddell. Not, I've not got that far to actually watch <laughs> any of them. <laughs> Maybe, I always tell people. Findings. Uh, uh, I'll just I'll go in a bender and we'll we'll see where I end up. You should, you should. I always tell people that the remake of I Spit on Your Grave is my favorite episode of Gilmore Girls, so. <laughs> it's a classic, classic. Well, you do you do get Craven going a bridge too far in this one, where, as in New Nightmare, you could say he had restraint from bashing the, the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street sequels. He certainly took a few needless jabs at it in this movie, where some oh, of yeah. the dialogue's just like, yeah, the Nightmare on Elm Street, what a classic. Too bad the sequels are shit. Whoa. Oh yeah, the the um, what's her name? Drew Barrymore when she's on the phone in the first film, the guy's talking about what's your favorite scary movie, and he asks, "Do you like Nightmare on Elm Street?" And he says, "Yeah, only the first one. The rest all sucked." <laughs> yeah, it's a knee slapper. There's also that horrendous uh, Freddy Krueger janitor joke in the midst of when they're trying to get us to believe that Henry Winkler is the murderer, which is quite the. <laughs> Most asinine red hair. <laughs> you know what? The, the Fonz can be devious, too. <laughs> I've seen some shit go on with the Fonz. Me and His Steve Coleman, we live in a... Exactly. We, we live in a town with a bronze Fonz statue. He raised I'll, his fist against that jukebox. Mm-hmm. You can do it against another human being. I'll say something, though, about Scary Movie, because I remember, <laughs> speaking of meta-references, they actually have the guy who plays Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley play the principal in that and scary movie. I always kind of enjoyed that. I wanted to make sure I got that out there and it's out there. So thank you. That is kind of funny. I probably wouldn't (laughs) have got it when I was watching it. Yeah, probably. And I'll say something good about scary movie too. Uh, I I like how this is almost like a session. We're like, okay, we're going to say some movies and we have to say nice things about them. Um, The scary movie series is better than the weird Wayne's brothers, like paranormal activity movies that are supposed to be funny. Also, I will take any yeah. 90s slasher or movie that is derivative of Scream over anything paranormal activity related or derivative of paranormal activity. So. Would you rope in found footage films too? I'd say in general, yeah. Fuck found footage, basically. Yeah. I think that's fair. And no, no unfriended? No, no unfriended. Unfriended was amazingly dumb. Like... Unfriended wouldn't be okay if it was like... Even if it was like a 10-minute short, you'd be like... Oh, that's almost clever, but not really. It's just like somebody had one idea, just one little idea, and they thought it could make a movie, but it's it's not. It's like a bad student film, basically. So that you would like... say that the Scream was a more fruitful tree than the other uh, big smash hit 90s horror movie, the yeah, Blair, Blair Witch, Witch Project. So. Yeah, absolutely, which I 
and I, I enjoy Scream. Uh, I think Scream 2 can be fun. Scream 4 is, is fine. But Blair Witch is not okay at all. It's a pile of garbage, and the sequel is hilarious, unintentional. Well, I, wish, I wish I could de- yeah, I wish I could defend Blair Witch because I remember really, really enjoying it at the time, and I watched it with no like close enough when it first came out, and I went in with no suppositions or anything. I thought it was really effective, and you know it remains very positive in my mind. But I've not watched it since, so I'm not going to like, stand Don't up do and it. go like it's it's great. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we made that mistake, Myros and I, a few years ago. It was just like, oh my <laughs> god in heaven, how is this a movie? And the, the cool thinking- thing about Blair Witch too is. You know, it was still kind of like the early dark ages of the internet, so there were still assholes out there who thought that someone actually took the footage of people dying and then, you know, charged you to see it. The whole cannibal oh. holocaust routine. Uh-huh, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's it's one of those things, I think like that, and par- like, you talk about paranormal activity, and I've, I've watched paranormal activity, I'm normally terribly behind in a lot of these franchises. I watched the first one of those, and I thought it was it was okay, it was fine, it's kind of a crappy end, but it was, I haven't watched any of the other ones, but I, it's one of those films that I think would be fine if it were a small little film that very few people had seen, and it would just be like, oh, that's it's okay, but it's the, it's the fact that they get like bloated into these cash machines, because they cost nothing to make. They make a zillion dollars at the box office because of viral marketing. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, you know, people turn around and think they're a big deal. And it's really just a blip. Yeah. You know, I think Blair Witch suffered the same fate. It was huge. It was, it kind of changed the face of horror. And I, in fact, I, I would say Blair Witch was, Blair Witch is responsible for more terrible movies than Scream was. The, the found footage thing still dogs us to this day. I mean, they're still churning those things out in yeah. shaky cam and. I don't. Oh, just... I don't think that paranormal activity movies are ever going to stop. Like even if the series stops, like found footage is here forever because all found footage does as a genre is it basically it emphasizes everything that studios get you know big sweaty erections over, which is zero cost and uh, you make your money back like instantly. No, and you know, you know what? Much. There's there's actually a sixth Paranormal Activity coming out this Friday. And there is. It's called like yeah. uh, Ghost World. It's ghost or Dimension. Yeah. yeah. Ghost, ghost Dimension. World. Yeah. yeah it's got Steve Buscemi. It's kind of weird. Spinoffs. <laughs> and, and and this one actually has you know in the past you you couldn't actually see the the monster things and this one has horrible CGI monsters in the trailer so. I'm yeah, sure they have a good. camera, a found footage camera that can see into the ghost realm. Uh huh. And that's oh, where Steve wow. Buscemi is. Ooh, it's like that old PlayStation game. What was it like, Fatal Frame? Where you oh, take yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. To kill them? oh, there you go. That's high concept. There That's, you go. They're ripping off good stuff now. <laughs> and and I believe last year they had like a. Uh, I, I think it might have been directed video, or maybe it was just in the theaters for five minutes. But they had like a uh, like a Latino themed spinoff. Oh yeah, the marked ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is which was like a prequel actually to the first film. They tie it all back in together. Oh, boy. Yeah, this one is uh, it's being marketed. Don't ask me the, why I know that. <laughs> this one's being marketed as the end of the main franchise. Well, so. that's that's good because I was I've been planning for like two years. I've thought about just like watching all of the Paranormal Activity movies and then doing an article on it, but they keep making more. And every time I see a new one, I I hate the series more and more. So I I just I can't I can't do it anymore. <laughs> and what's fun's all the foreign spinner? They have like Paranormal Activity Havana Nights or some shit. <laughs> yeah, well, and and there's a Japanese one too. I, I can't remember what it's called. Like it's not affiliated with Paranormal Activity. It's just like instead of you know America remaking a Japanese movie, it's Japan remaking an American movie. I don't fucking know. 
So, some stuff never dies. I actually just, just yesterday on Netflix, I was randomly flicking around through it, and I found a movie called, um, oh, I can't remember what it's named. It's it's the name of the girl in The Ring, or Ringu. Um, and it's it's another film. It was made like just a couple of years ago, but it's another Ring film. They're still making those in Japan, apparently. So there you go. Some stuff just won't die. I don't even know how many of those there are. I actually, I uh, I know someone who witnessed the death of the girl from The Ring. Um, our our friend Erica Hansen, Steve Coleman knows her. Uh, she went to a haunted house, and uh, in front of her there was a couple, and there was a skinny guy and a very large woman. And uh, the the there was a girl at the haunted house dressed up as like Ring Girl. She jumped out and scared them, and they went ah. And they walked around the corner, and some guy came at him with like a fake chainsaw because that's what happens at haunted houses. And this large woman was so terrified that she, like, threw her boyfriend out of the way and then just, like, slammed backwards in the wall and, like, crushed the head of the girl who was playing the ring person. And she was just all, like, unconscious and dead. So, yeah. Wow. (laughs) Seriously? Yeah. They got their tickets worth. Yeah, they did. They did. And that's actually how the third sequel to The Ring ends. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I wish that were true, but... But I mean, can Bucky. you just imagine like this poor girl is getting paid like five dollars an hour to you know wear a stringy black wig, just gets her head crushed by like a you know a giant ass. That's that's uh, <laughs> just a <laughs> just like two big Christmas hams crushing your skull. Um, Wait, what the hell are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, ta- we're talking about movies, man. You know, Actually, meta horror, like meta horror. Uh, paranormal. <laughs> like, I don't know how we got there. Uh, I'll tell you what I watched. Well, well, Ring was kind of kind of meta. It was on video, so again, like Videodrome, it's a medium. You know, viral stuff, paranormal. One is one of the paranormal activity ones on the internet or something. I don't know. See, there you go. He's got it. Jack's so, got it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like it's. A, Thing. We're totally not on a tangent here. Mm-hmm. This is this is meat and potatoes <laughs> shit right here. See, I like Jack because he uh, he justifies our our bad podcast etiquette. Um, See, what yeah. I'd say is like uh, <laughs> like for me, Scream didn't work all that well because it, it's so damn smarmy. And I, like something like Your Next, which obviously came out about twenty years later, almost uh, kind of did the same thing as far as deconstructing those slasher tropes without like shoving your nose in it, you know. I just found it to be a like much a, more like, effective uh, way to go about this. I actually, I did not, and I know I'm in the minority here. I did not like your next at all because Aww. I, I just like I, I thought it was too subtle with its commentary. Uh, if Scream was just like obviously not going to comment on anything or be critical of anything, if your next was trying to be critical, a lot of it just kind of gets lost on the audience. So at that point. If you're you're trying to parody something or you know draw attention to tropes or something like that, but you're just recreating it without saying anything, then you're just you're just you know engaging the trope. You're not doing anything with it. And I think your next did that a lot, actually. Well, I don't think Swanberg intended to be critical of it. He's the sort of guy who's definitely in love with old horror movies and and embraces the genre and. Yeah, he's not subverting it. He's not say, he's not going Michael Haneke in funny games and saying, "Hey, why are you watching this shit?" I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't believe that was. That. Sorry, I don't Car- think that logic. was. I don't think that was Joe Swanberg that did your next. Uh, didn't he? Or did he write? No, it? no, it was a guy named Adam Wingard, and he wrote it with Simon Barrett, who plays one of the animals. That was oh. Wingard. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah when Gar when guys found the VHS films or yeah, like, yeah, I think yeah. they both. I think they both are. Yeah, they're all. Yeah, yeah. See, we just tied it back to found footage again. Perfect. There you Swan, go. Swanberg started. He did he's not. he had the best role in Year Next for sure. I just I like the part where Ty West dies because he made some like hilarious face when he got shot in the head. That was my favorite part <laughs> of that movie. Spoiler alert! Yeah, spoiler alert. Ty, Ty, Ty West gets shot. In that. Glad, I think if I'm you know who Ty West is, then you've probably seen that movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad Adam brought up uh, Funny Games because I got to admit that that is a film that honestly is it's clever or it's, at least it's more principled than Scream, but it's worse than Scream in terms of it's like it's like a nagging mom in film form. You know, it just it yeah. doesn't make any sense. It's and I don't know who he's trying to call, call out because uh, people who watch slasher movies and only slasher movies aren't going to show up for a Michael Haneke film. So no. if he's trying to, if he's trying to scold them for watching horror films, they're not in the audience. There's a bunch of other people going, "Okay, Haneke, like wind it back a little bit here." So, oh yeah, um, especially the fact that they actually did an American remake of that movie. <laughs> I don't know, like, why? Why would you do I that? that I mean, it's, I've heard it's shot for shot, too. Oh, it oh, is. It absolutely is. Yeah, which, I mean, yeah, I mean, and the first one's very well shot, but it's, uh, yeah, I am i don't get it. It's, it seems like, I'm, at that point, I'm wondering, is he actually trolling? But it just, it felt like a film that was just beneath Haneke's clearly vast talents as a director. He's directed amazing films, and then Funny Games is, is just, it's one of those films that it just, it, it makes a bunch of suppositions about its audience and then berates its audience because it assumes all its suppositions are true. Mm. And I don't really see the point of that. And Scream is a little bit like that as well, but it's nowhere near as bad. It's not because Scream yeah. is kind of more loose and fast with everything, you know? Yeah, at, at least like Scream, even when it's being smarmy and stuff, it's got, it's such a damn 90s movie. It's got like this 90s edge to it. Uh, whereas Funny Games is. Like literally, the movie stops so the characters can break the fourth wall and call you an asshole for paying to see the movie. Like, yeah. and when it doesn't go like, there, I, I gotta hand it to him for having the balls to do that. But it's uh, you know, it's not great. Yeah, and when it doesn't go their way, they literally rewind the film so they can try it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. right. When when one of them accidentally falls foul of the, they get a little bit of catharsis as someone gets revenge, and it's like, nope, we're gonna pull it back. And it's like, fine, okay, but. It's it's one of the, it's kind of the same thing that irks me a little bit about the Scream franchise, which is that it talks about how stupid slasher movies are, but then it's and you know how no one would react like that in reality, but then they're not realistic films either, so they're not you know so they're not offering an alternative. Again, they're just they're parroting what they have already asserted as being dumb. Mm-hmm. And I don't really understand that. It's it's kind of it's a pointless kind of thing. It kind of reminds me as well of um, something like um, Cabin in the Woods. You know, the Joss Whedon. I think Drew Goddard. I think is the director of it. Is it again like these films that just kind of they they acknowledge their source material, but they have no idea what else to do after that, other than just basically run through the ringer one more time. You know. Yeah, and and that's a big problem with um, a lot of postmodern horror movies that play with these things is yeah when when you're just engaging in recreating the past without doing anything with it then it's like why are you even bothering to do this 
It's just yeah. like the most hollow form of pastiche. Yeah, if it had something, if it had something to say about it, like I, like Cabin in the Woods has its whole spoiler alert. But I mean, the whole concept is that there's an ancient pact with a, an ancient god, and that's why horror movie stories and horror movie tropes are recreated annually or something to sate this ancient god. And you know, part of it is like you have the whore who has to die, which is a sexually promiscuous woman who always dies in every slasher movie, and there's you know various other characters. And it's like fine, you've acknowledged these tropes. And you've acknowledged even in something like the the way sexually promiscuous women die in these films, that kind of conservative underlying layer in all of those films is kind of really starchy, kind of goofy, patriarchal, I guess, concept of female sexuality and stuff. And it's like, fine, you've, you've acknowledged all this stuff, but then at the end it's like, it's because of an ancient pact with the god. And it's like, is that, that's not even, that's not why it is. You could have dug into something actually real there if you were going to acknowledge it at all it's kind of it's it's like it's going out there and thinks it's smart but it's it's just it doesn't cross the finish line just kind of saunters off back onto the the regular course and finishes out without really trying anything Mm -hmm. oh yeah Yeah, definitely i feel like these movies work best when the love of the genre just kind of shines through that just sort of this exuberant embrace of those tropes and rather than trying to teach us a lesson for enjoying them or, or even just, I don't know, bragging about how well you understand them. <laughs> These aspects just, they, they're not, they don't make for enjoyable film for me. <laughs> yeah, we don't go to the movies to learn lessons. <laughs> Whoever Why learned anything from the movie. But no, I, I totally agree with Adam because, I mean, like Demons, which I mentioned beforehand, which is just a like, just goofy movie in a cinema with just gore and 80s heavy metal and everything. I mean, it's clearly metatextual in that. I mean, Dario Argento produced it. The whole the film is just dripping in posters of Dario Argento films. You know, like, it's completely brazen and out there. You have the, the movie, which is a zombie film, which bleeds into the cinema. There's, you know, it it kind of plays into this whole idea of horror cinema kind of escaping. and But it's just totally, it's just fun. There's no concept of trying to teach us anything. It's not, like, if it knows it does, if it knows it can't do that, then it is right not to try. I don't know. I think it's, it, with a lot of films, is knowing your limitations is a really good thing. And I think a lot of films don't. Mm-hmm. And that's where pacing and that's where all these other things fall in, you know, where where they're trying to reach for some kind of a lesson and the lesson isn't there. Yeah. And just end up with a bunch of characters talking nonsense or whatever, you know? Oh, totally, totally. Uh, and, and that's why I, I think I mentioned this earlier, but I watched uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil again. I, I watched it a few years ago. And, you know, it's it's not a perfect movie by any stretch, but it's so much fun just because it's it's pretty clear from the outset that, you know, the, the director slash writer he really knows his limitations. It's a, it's a small movie. It knows it's a small movie and it just tries to have a little bit of fun, you know, by, uh, like, you know, poking at the murderous hillbilly genre. Uh, so if you haven't seen Tucker and Dale versus evil, basically it kind of plays on the idea that, wow, all these teenagers and all these horror movies are kind of dicks, which if you go back through and you watch slash movies, yeah, a lot of times these characters are assholes and you're rooting for them to get killed. Uh, and so you've got these two characters, Tucker and Dale, and they're just two, like, you know, backwoods southern guys, uh, and these teenagers are deathly afraid of them. And because the teenagers are deathly afraid of them, they think that, you know, Tucker and Dale are murderous hillbillies when they're not. Uh, and it turns out these kids are like monsters trying to kill them, basically. 
Uh, and yeah, it's it's just it's a lot of fun. It's got some good jokes in it. It it makes uh, some clear nods at classic horror movies, but it never gets too smarmy about it. It just you know keeps it light. It is a really fun movie, and I mean these. Yeah. When I say I need to see that love shine through, it doesn't even have to be fun. Like a, a film I picked for Shotgun Wedding, uh, maybe last episode, but uh, Barbarian Sound Studio, which is about basically a guy making uh, the soundtrack to a well, the score to a Jalo film, and uh, it's really great, and you can really feel the love of Jalo in the film, and. It's not a fun film to watch at all, but it's uh, it's again a really enjoyable in a way that's and, and that may be a synonym to fun, but it's, I don't mean it in the same way. I guess it's it's enriching, if you will. It's definitely worth it to watch for horror fans because you that that love is just oozing out of it, and it's expertly crafted, and you can see that deep understanding of the way Italian film is crafted and. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's an effective it's an effective film too because I mean it's it specifically draws attention to the use of sound in film, which is something that you take for granted. It was kind of like you know it again. It's not doing anything remarkable, but it it draws it pulls in that kind of perspective, and then it it follows through. And I did really enjoy that film too. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a really good movie. Um, and, and I think, Myros, you touched on something, too, where it's it's not always the easiest thing to watch, but it's just so lovingly crafted. Uh, and the other thing about that movie, too, is I don't know who directed it uh, or, or whatever, but I, I want him to make a horror movie, like a more straight-ahead horror movie, just because I love his style so much, and he, he clearly has an appreciation for the genre. So I'd like to see him do more stuff. Has he done anything else? He did a uh, film called... Um... His last film was called Duke of Burgundy. I've not got around oh. to seeing it yet, but he had an earlier yeah, film too that. that I was very interested in. Hmm. The Duke of Burgundy. I saw that earlier this year. It's about two role-playing lesbians. Any good? Uh it's more. I had the same reaction to it that I did for Berberin. Is that I enjoyed more how it was crafted. It's a very sumptuously shot and made film, but I thought you know it just kind of ended up emotionally. It's very cold to the touch, which. For me, it can be a problem. When you yeah, say role playing but... lesbians, are you? Or do you mean like like sexual role playing, or like are they playing Dungeons and Dragons? Are they larping lesbians? Sexual. Well, it's <laughs> like it, w- we open up. One, this one woman comes to another woman's house, seemingly to take on a job as to be her, you know, maid to wash her house, and she goes through like the strict re- regimen of everything she has to do, like cleaning her, you know, sheets and her underwear and stuff, and all these things. And then we find out, oh no, they're actually you know longtime lovers, and they're you know this is something they've been doing for a while. But it's kind of like how they're role playing in their games are kind of taking their toll on each other, mm-hmm. and they can't really you know find a way to satisfy each other. Oh, wow. Yeah. That actually sounds really cool. Yeah, his, yeah. His oh, yeah. It's, it's worth, a, worth a watch for sure. Check his it out. His first film, Kathleen Varga, I've not seen it, but I heard that was, I've heard a number of people say it was really good. Uh, I've not right. cracked down. I didn't seem to, it seemed to do a lot better in the UK than it did in the US or make more waves there. But. Is, is that the movie, I think I've seen it on Netflix before. It's like an old woman with a scrunchy face. That's the cover. Is that? No, no, no you've never just... seen it. You've never seen it on Netflix. I've had my eye on it for a long time. It's very difficult. To what am I down. thinking of? There's an old woman with a scrunchy face. Oh, that narrows somewhere out there. Are you thinking of the guy from the Ernest movies? What is Dame Judi Dench doing right now? Um, You're thinking about Philomena. Ah, there you go. Maybe that's it. I don't know. That's classic scene where she's sucking on a lemon. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Steve (laughs) Coleman. Yeah. 
Talk to me. Well, now we. I, I feel. I feel like we're drowning out. Do you have? Do you have any meta horror that you want to talk about? Do you think we've we've missed anything? Are we covering all our bases? Oh, you guys are definitely covering all the bases for sure. Um, the the only one that I would have that I thought about discussing, but I'm not sure if it would technically qualify. But I want to bring it up is um, Man Bites Dog. Oof! Yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's that's a movie. Jesus, that's an uncomfortable watch. Yeah, I um, <laughs> I watched it once many many years ago, and kind of watched it loosely again just in preparation for this podcast just because i thought we might want to discuss it or at least i'd want to bring it up mm-hmm. at least as far as this like meta horror genre and it definitely is um i i, I would hesitate to call it smarmy um yeah, it's, but yeah i i, just, I feel like i want to add at this point i watched that movie with my dad oh god so, oh that was <laughs> It was I'm okay. So he was reading a newspaper, that. but at one point he looked over his newspaper during I don't know the rape scene. <laughs> don't even remember which scene it was. He went, "What are you watching?" And I was like, "Just some movie." <laughs> yeah, I don't think he looked over for like the rape necrophilia part. Oh, okay, geez. bonding experience. You know, I was I was just about to say too. Like, Man Bites Dog has got to be top five movies you don't want to be watching in the living room when your mom comes home from work. Like what? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it was on TV. The Gaspar No movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love me some Irreversible with the fam. That's another one you should watch, too. Watch Irreversible with I your once, family. I once tried to watch uh, David Cronenberg's Crash with a mom, and that didn't work well. I shouldn't have <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, God. <laughs> this is the problems of living with your parents when you're in early years of college and having, yeah, you know, one yeah. of those things. But whatever. It worked out in the end. So, yeah, there you yeah. go. You've, you've... But still, that's that is my memory because I haven't seen Man Bites Dog. I remember it being an, a really interesting film, but I haven't watched it in a long time. And when I did watch it, my dad was sitting next to me. So yeah, weird. Yeah, Man Bites Dog is it's it's so uncomfortable. Like I mean, I've seen a lot of like you know trashy exploitation and extreme stuff, but something about that movie like it still makes my skin crawl. I probably haven't seen it in oh Jesus forever. Um, probably since like two thousand. 2008 i don't know it's been yeah, a while i think i saw it with you it's been yeah so yeah and i think i think when we watch it we're probably living in douglas so that was like 2007 yeah and i i still like every once in a while i'll think about it i'm just like oh god see i remember like it's it's funny it's kind of a funny movie and it's the sort of movie you feel like a real psychopath for laughing at but <laughs> it's a real problem with man by stone well, it well, definitely I, tricks the audience into laughing at first because it's sort of, I mean, yeah, it's a movie about a serial killer, but you can kind of like see the humor in it. But then you realize like, oh, God, this is getting worse and worse. This guy's a monster. And then the film crew starts participating in the crimes. And then you feel like you are a participant in these crimes because you initially welcomed this film into your life. And it just escalates from that point. And yeah, I, like I said, I watch it very passively. For the second time, I think the first time I saw it was probably like right around the same time uh, y- you guys both saw it, uh, Adam and Steve. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I feel like I cut somebody off there for a second. No, you're good. You're good. Um, I-, I think too with Man Bites Dog, a movie that it, it makes me think of is uh, uh, Naked, which we actually watched with Sean Glennis, who's now with us. Oh show. yeah, mm-hmm. uh, where. Again, you you start to like this character and you're laughing and you know you know he's a, a serial killer or something, but um, 
and then you start to realize slowly that he's just like a giant colossal pile of shit <laughs> and it's hard yeah. when you, you have to kind of have to wrestle with those things and and man bites dog obviously does it to a, a more extreme degree uh and then there's the the kind of still fun but doesn't you know go extreme on you version of that movie and that's probably uh, uh behind the mask the rise of leslie vernon which you know I- instead of having the film crew take <laughs> take part in the actual murders uh the murderer decides you know what i'm just gonna kill you and then it goes from this kind of like documentary almost style like man bites dog into like just a regular slasher movie basically like the whole movie switches its aesthetic around to kind of accommodate that, which is I don't know, it's interesting. I guess yeah, I like I that mean, movie. I haven't than, watched uh, it in a while, but I I remember liking it pretty fondly. Yeah, no, it's it's quite fun. And I mean, rather than making him like a legitimate serial killer, they make him kind of like a a movie monster, like a, a Jason Voorhees type. Like it, it, mm-hmm. uh, it takes place in a world where these fictional killers are like celebrities and stuff. It's a lot more lighthearted. I mean, Man Bites Dog is. Is almost like trying to do the same thing that Funny Games did, except being a lot more effective at it, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, it really it, it succeeds in making me evaluate why I'm watching this film. <laughs> yep. All right, so here's the big question. Well, I'm going to go down the line here. Jake, best example of meta horror. What do you got? Um, I'm going to go back to the original shout out I gave for the Return of the Living Dead. Good. Where it embraces zombie tropes and yet still works with them to produce something totally fun and enjoyable. Shout out to Jake's uncle. Yes. Steve Coleman, what do you got? Best best meta horror. Um Say say Scream Three, I fucking dare you. Scream four. You know, I just want to say sorry. (laughs) Scream three, Courtney Cox has the worst looking hair I've ever seen in a film. Mm-hmm. It's like she couldn't decide between having bangs or no bangs, so she grew out her bangs, and then the director said, okay, you know what, no bangs, and then he grabbed them with a pair of, and chopped them off with a pair of scissors, and that's how they look. <laughs> I don't normally care about such things, but it was not, it's just ugly. Sorry, I, Steve, I actually, go ahead. I have a random interjection, too, actually, because I don't remember, when I watched the Scream films, I, I think it was Scream 4, is Scream 4 just like piss yellow for the whole thing, or was it just my copy was broken? <laughs> I, I don't remember it being yellow, but that's pretty but like, amazing. Like, it's just super yellow, but, like, there's a bunch of films that are yellow, like The Immigrant recently, and uh, what other, with, with Marion Coutillard, and uh, there was some other film, oh, there's Enemy, with Jake Gyllenhaal, was just super yellow. Oh, so, like, it's pissy. a thing. Yeah, so I, I Scream 4, I was just wanted to make sure, because that, was that yellow, too, or was my copy just a bum copy? You know, I, I, I don't know, like, I don't recall that, but when I think about when that movie was released, because it came out, what, 2006, 2007? It was 2011. 2011? Oh, it was that late. Okay. I was say, because if it was mid-2000s, that was like prime time, like Tony Scott, yellow-green piss filter on everything. Um, <laughs> yeah, but cool. it's Wes Craven. Has Wes Craven ever put a filter out of camera in his life? No, no, no. We're uh, happy I... when Uncle Wes can just pick up the camera and turn it on. <laughs> Scream Four, there's it's not yellow. I, you might you may have probably just had a bad copy because I watched a, like a pretty good quality DVD rip, of, you know, a week and a half ago that you legally obtained. Yeah, that I legally obtained through the internet. And <laughs> there's definitely some weird lighting going on through the film. Like a lot of the white lights in the background seem kind of blown out and are very soft. And it's not how a horror movie should look. This one thing I wanted to mention about the Scream series is that. It they all feel like studio made films, less not so much the films made by 
Wes Craven, who, you know, brought mm-hmm. us some of the greatest horror films of all time. Yeah. So no, I agree. I definitely agree. True. All right. Coleman, sorry, back to you. Um, can I go ahead and say The Cabin in the Woods? Sure. Go ahead. You do it. We didn't even get to really talk about that much, but that's I fine. Already, I, already, I already complained about that, so I feel bad now. <laughs> you guys got beef? Are you beefing? There's no beef, I guess. No, no, no. Jack, Jack kind of sounded like you liked it to me. So uh, yeah, I, I thought it was okay. I just thought it was it was one of those movies like, uh, that is, that's it, you know? I I'm feel kinda, like something happens yeah. to me a lot with Joss Whedon. It's like, oh, so that's it? Okay, cool, great. I, I, I tend to I tend to agree on Cabin in the Woods. I I felt like I went with a bunch of people who had a lot of fun, and I was kind of like grumpy the whole time. You grumpy, Myros? I can't That's I can't it. believe that for a second. You're a fucking ray of sunshine. It's unbelievable. Well, well, I stand behind my choice. That's fine, Steve. I I will support you in all of your life decisions. Okay. What am I doing? I, that's the question we all ask ourselves. Myros, Metahor, what do you got? Uh, speaking of a movie we didn't even mention, uh, Shaun of the Dead. Oh, yeah. Oh. I didn't even think about that. Way to go. Boy, Steve Coleman, you start to rethink your choice now? No. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to shove that in your face. Uh, yeah, that's that's a really good choice. I think that might be... That might be my favorite too, because it's just it's just such a fun, lighthearted, perfect execution of the whole thing. It's, yeah, I will say it's it's pretty much a one and a or one a and one b for uh, Jake's pick as well. Uh, Return of the Living Dead, fantastic film. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Thank you. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, Jack Eason, what do you got? You got one meta horror film. What's it going to be? One. Oh, putting me on the spot. I will mention Return of the Living Dead. They actually nuke Louisville at the end, which is probably, uh, to my memory, probably the only mention of Louisville in uh, American cinema ever. <laughs> so that's something. I don't know. Maybe it's in Secretariat or something. I don't know. Something horse related. But um, yeah, they they blow up that city at the end. So thanks, Dan. But um, I, if again, I know I keep bringing it up, but honestly, I think Demons is probably my favorite. It's just it's pure Italian gore cheese it's just stupid and it doesn't even stop to let you think about how stupid it is um so i you know i just can't complain it is a movie that does everything that it sets out to do and uh, if you don't like that you won't even notice because you'll be too busy wondering why everyone is doing what they're doing anyway (laughs) so perfect perfect just so i so i know is it this one from 1985 directed by lamberto bava that's yes, the one. that is the one dario All argento right. produced lamberto bava directed it then they uh, they made a slew of sequels demons 2 with lamberto bava is like the only actual sequel and then like in the Ooh. italian film industry they produced like four or five more they just titled random movies demons whatever and mm-hmm. just stuck it in it's like none of them have anything to do with the originals and they're all yeah like, well, no, I don't think they are all terrible. I think that uh, Michelle Suave's uh, last well, two um, films were actually titled "Demons Three and 4. That's true. I don't, I don't count those. I guess because yeah, okay. that's true. Um, the, the Church and the Sect were actually both yeah, right. As demons think, movies, and they're they're great. Like the Church is right. an absolute classic horror film that a lot of people haven't seen. And mm-hmm. yeah, that was a demons movie. It's got nothing. It has none of the tone or like it's a really slow burning, serious kind of a horror film. Like it's a real tone kind of. You know, peace. It's, it works really hard because Suavi was like trying to move away from Dario Argento and just like balls out crazy all the time, and he was trying <laughs> to do his own thing. Yeah. And they still just stuck demons on it and released it anyway because they don't care in Italy. That's what mm. they do. They they make films called Zombie Two, 
after Dawn of the Dead, even though there was no Zombie 1, really. I guess Zombie 1 was Dawn of the Dead. But, oh, yeah, and then there's you know. there's a Zombie 3. Was that Fulci that did that? And then yeah. Zombie 4 has, like, fucking birds in it that murder people, I think. <laughs> or maybe that's 5. I don't know. They're they're bad. But, yeah, there's there's a lot of series like that. Same with the, the Troll series. Uh, Troll 2, of course, you know, famously bad. Um, Troll 1 has nothing to do with Troll 2. Um, I, I think it's, it's either troll three or troll four is about like murderous trees or something. I, it's, it's a weird series. It's kind of like Silent Night, Deadly Night, the Puppet Master. It's like, is this even vaguely related? (laughs) Well, yeah, uh, the church does have the uh, great distinction of having, uh, music by not only, uh, Italian staple Goblin, uh, but also Philip Glass and Keith Emerson. A real power tree. That's right. Oh. Wow. It's got a pretty great soundtrack. It's pretty rocking. I just can thought of something else, can, too. Can I just break the meta art thing and just recommend the church? If yeah, you haven't seen the that's church, fine. Good. I can watch there the church. Go. I don't know if it's meta. Nah. Yeah, well, if Michelle Suave directed it, see it, uh, if you like horror at all. So, yeah. yeah. Cemetery Man wins the award for best horror of the 90s in my book. So. Actually, that, that's kind of yeah. almost a meta horror film, too. Kind that's of true. You could. You, know, that, that, you could actually argue that is kind of a meta zombie film, but, yeah. I haven't seen that in a while. Oh, yeah. Well, so, watch it again. It's excellent. Also, Jake, if you're going to watch uh, Demons, I may have uh, been slightly joking when I said I prefer Demons 2. But Demons 2, also a lot of fun. It is fun. It's it's just, and it's got Asia Argento's uh, film debut, I believe. Oh, so believe I'm writing these down. Believe me, Jack was the church mentioned in your 31 Days of Horror thing that you wrote last year. It was, yes, it was. Uh, that that was one I I'd watched it recently and plug time. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. I'm, I'm plugging all these amazing. I would watch too many Italian horror films. That's my problem. That's why I'm. <laughs> you know, that's that's an okay There's problem. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Jack, actually, you know, we're we're about at the time where we got to wrap things up. Do you want to what's what's your website, your blog that you write for? Other than you've you've done some stuff on optimism vaccine. What's your uh, your personal blog? Oh, my, my personal blog is a long dead entity. I think oh. I can't find time. I couldn't. <laughs> where think, can I couldn't we read blog. your writings and your musings? All the the millions and millions of optimism vaccine fans. I gotta, I gotta say, because um, because you got optimism vaccine. That's a really catchy, pithy title, and I couldn't come up with one of those. So I just decided to just string three words together. And uh, that's why my uh, blog is called Concentric Ocelot Party, because uh, I don't care. <laughs> and that's apparently a character trait that carries through to my blog. That's good. That sounds like a, uh, like a, I don't know, a metal band so or something. It's, it's <laughs> a math rock concentric, group. <laughs> concentric Ocelot Party, a film blog, you know. And uh, I, I, got, I got certain numbers of, of readers. I got... Um, Actually, for that that horror film recommendation series, one of the films I recommended was um, was uh, Dust Devil, Richard Stanley's film, which is a great horror film. But I, I included pictures with tags for all the films, and I, I think someone found the film because they did a search for like Dust Devil sex scene, and I was like, "That's pretty cool. I'm attracting a really good crowd." <laughs> so you know, that's 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 my high point. That's my my success it's I'm always fun now. to look at the search results that bring people to your website um we've had some creepy shit with agent cody banks <laughs> people are looking for like agent cody banks like fucking porno fan fiction and they end up at our website um, i don't even there was a recent one about the it was like the ultimate warriors saved me from poop or something <laughs> like that. I was like, what the fucking Boy, hell is what? this 
I said it in the group text. There was a, a search query about something to do yeah. with the Ultimate Warrior and saving and poop. I think I think one of my favorites too was uh, there was uh, Steve Coleman actually wrote an article about professional wrestling, and there's this picture of the Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan. The Ultimate Warrior is like standing in front of Hulk Hogan, but he's on his knees, so it looks like he's sucking Hulk Hogan's dick. Um, and I titled. The, or, or Steve titled it, or whoever put up the the picture, it was titled like "Ultimate Warrior Blowjob" or something like that. And so, when you search for when when someone who's searching for it, they search for "Ultimate Blowjob" and it took them to our website. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it was, I think it was for one of the podcasts. I don't know what it was, but yeah, "Ultimate." I think blowjob. I had a caption that just said like "Warriors like championship match." Luckily for luckily for him, he didn't blow it. Yeah, that maybe that yeah, that that could have been it. But yeah, ultimate blowjob will bring you to optimismvaccine.com. Uh so Jack, I'm gonna take your meta horror as your and, and your your plug there as your put over. Myros, what are you putting over this week? Why do I have to put over something else? No, I was actually gonna put over uh behind the mask rise of Wesley Burner. I didn't figure we'd get to it. It's hey. a really underseen meta horror that's uh, a lot of fun. You should and, watch it. Uh, you should watch it. I got a copy that I bought from Blockbuster Video when it went out of business. Uh, Steve, are, are you putting over anything this week? Yeah, uh, nothing meta horror anymore. Um, sorry, but um, so there's this website, Internet Archive. It's uh, archive.org. <laughs> I thought you were going to say there's this website, the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's this web, this whole thing with like a bunch of websites on it. It's called the Internet. <laughs> um, putting over that, but the Internet Internet Archive. Um, archive.org there's this guy who used to work for Kmart in the late 80s and early 90s and apparently Kmart used to, instead of playing satellite radio, they used to just have corporate would send each store cassettes with like an hour and a half of elevator music and like some contemporary pop hits and then like advertisements for in-store promotions and this guy uploaded all – he saved all the cassettes. They were supposed to destroy him after they were done for like a week or a month. And he uploaded them all to this archive on Internet Archive. So it's archive.org slash details slash attention Kmart shoppers. I'm sure if you just go to archive.org <laughs> and look up attention Kmart shoppers, you'll find it. And um I don't know. I think it's an amazing little time capsule, mm-hmm. uh, little audio time capsule. Um, and you go on there and you find the whole collection, and it's kind of like ridiculous, like how many times like this one elevator song pops up for every collection from like '88 to like '92. So it's some Kmart executives' like favorite elevator jam of all time. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> all right, Jake, what are you putting over? Um, I have two options if you don't find my first one acceptable. Uh, it's shit. First... Sorry. <laughs> I'm putting over the extra uh, that I posted in the background of the Wes Craven film Fur- Cursed. Oh, yeah, we've got to talk about that pile of garbage. Don't watch yeah. Cursed. It's trash. Don't, wa- don't watch Cursed, but if you do want to watch Cursed, fast forward about uh, 24 minutes into it, and you'll see the best performance I've ever seen by an extra in a background of a film ever. It's this guy walking behind Christina Ritchie, he stops, turns, and looks at her, leans back awkwardly, and nods his head three times, and then walks off frame. It's, it's definitely it's a, that performance is definitely over there where the person who like pulls their pants down at the end of Teen Wolf. I mean, it's a beautiful <laughs> thing. Yeah, he could not be drawing. He looks right into the camera practically. He could not be drawing more attention to himself. It's on my mm-hmm. Facebook, Instagram. It's great. Yeah, uh, it's other like, than that, it's like a, a combination of like 
a Mentos commercial and someone who just <laughs> discovered Christina Ricci's butt. Like it's it's really weird. He's like, yeah, I like that, and then That's he just walks away. Butt. Yeah. It's, it's well, Steve, I have new information. I found the uh, the search query uh, for Ultimate Warrior and pooping. Yeah, uh, it was actually Ultimate Warrior makes his comeback at WrestleMania eight to help her poop. Who's who, who's he helping to poop? Uh, I have no idea. That's good to know. That's really good to know. Uh, well, I'll tell you what I'm putting over. I'm putting over. Our article that we wrote together and took forever to put up, uh, that would be Basic White Dicks, the official pumpkin beer power rankings. We drank almost 40 pumpkin beers, and it was a horrible experience, except we watched Neil Breen and uh, ate pizza, so it was okay. So you should check that out. It's on OptimismVaccine.com. And make sure, if you are listening right now, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. Make sure you go on iTunes, rate us, write a review. It helps with our visibility. Helps us out a lot. Uh, also, yeah, check out OptimismVaccine.com. we got other shit going on there. You can follow us on Twitter at OptimismVaccine, and that'll do it. So, Steve Coleman, the last word is yours. I feel like I love Dr. McGillicuddy's. 